everyone. I'm Taryn Strong, founder of the She Recovers Foundation, and this is the She Recovers podcast. Here at She Recovers, we believe we are all recovering from something and that we don't have to recover alone. We create welcoming spaces and transformative opportunities online and in real life to connect, support, and empower women in or seeking recovery. Recovery from substance use disorders, behavioral health issues, and other life challenges. We bring women together seeking recovery from the struggles, hurts, traumas, and dramas of being human. If you're working to recover and reclaim your inner wisdom, then you've come to the right place. Welcome. I loved listening to this conversation between Don Nickel, who is my mother and the other founder of the She Recovers Foundation, and Susan Carter, who is our new executive director. These two women have each decades of recovery, and I feel so lucky that I get to spend my days surrounded by such epic, badass women. This episode is the audio from a fireside chat that we hosted on Facebook a few weeks ago, and it was a way for us to introduce the community to Susan Carter. So she shares a bit of her story and her recovery story, and her and Mama Dawn also talk about the vision and the mission of what She Recovers Foundation is all about and where we want to go. So enjoy. And I personally am really looking forward to this being the first of many conversations that we get to listen to between Mama Dawn and Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just going to go have a look and see if we are indeed live on Facebook. We are. Yay. It works. Technology works. So, right. Where are you coming to me today? I am coming to you from Aspen, Colorado, glorious Aspen. Well, it looks like you're pretty cozy there with your nice fire. I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, and I also have a fire going. I thought we needed to have a fire for our fireside chat. Um, For those of you who are joining us here on Facebook Live for the first time, my name is Dawn Nickel, and I'm one of the founders of the She Recovers Foundation. My daughter, Taryn Strong, is the other founder. Today, I'm going to be talking with Susan Carter, who is our executive director. So the executive director of the She Recovers Foundation, which was formed as a 501c3 nonprofit public charity as of April 6th of this year. And we're very excited um, about everything that we're doing. And today, I wanted to talk with Susan for a number of reasons. One was um, because Taryn and I have been doing the work of She Recovers, you know, in various kind of different formats and ways over this past nine years, most people in our community are familiar with Taryn and I, um, but there's a whole team of us, and actually, especially since we have, um, since the nonprofit was formed, we have a new executive director, we have other people working with us, and we'll take the opportunity over the coming months to make sure that everybody's introduced to our team. We're a small but mighty team of about seven women, max. So um, we are joined by an incredible network of volunteers. Um, For instance, we have about 60 of our She Recovers coaches who volunteer to hold space with us on our She Recovers gatherings twice a day. We have a great team of about 20 co-hosts who help then. And we'll talk more about all the things that we are. 
just wanted to say this is really an opportunity for us to introduce you to Susan, who many of you don't know, but is a woman that we met hmm, three and a half years ago. Well, and uh, we're just so excited. And we knew that one day when we were able to get our charitable status, that we would be knocking on Susan's door and asking her to come work with us and help us lead the way with this amazing grassroots movement. So let's start off, Susan, by um, I just want to celebrate you. Yesterday, you celebrated a very, very important milestone. And yes. that, so if some of you may have seen on our Facebook page or in our group, She Recovers Together, Susan celebrated 27 years of recovery yesterday. She's actually started a beautiful Facebook fundraiser for us. We can do that as members of our community. We can host fundraisers on our birthdays or our recovery celebration dates. And so, Susan, thank you for that. We're so grateful for everything you do. And we love the, um, we just love seeing the Facebook fundraiser. It's already very successful. So we're grateful, but can you tell us about 27 years of this road called recovery? Uh, What's it been like? Kind of where did it start for you and bring us a little bit up to date if you can? Sure, sure. And I think, you know, if you read the, um, if you read my Facebook fundraiser at all, you'd see that, um, that, I, 27 years ago, night before last, sat down with a big goblet of wine and I wrote a letter um, just basically to my glass of wine saying that, you know, it had gotten to a point where everything negative that was occurring in my life, there was one common denominator and that happened to be alcohol. And uh, just kind of went through how now it was time for me to let go of that because I wanted to live life differently. I was full of uh, shame, remorse, guilt, uh, feeling so low and no self-worth whatsoever. And um, so I just reached out to somebody that, um, as I like to say, had what I wanted. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, she shuffled me under her arm and took me into some places I needed to go. And I have been sober ever since and um, of continuous sobriety, which I'm, I'm truly grateful for. But it's just brought so much joy in life, you know, into my life. And as everyone will share, as I'm sure it's not just me, your life goes from totally black and white, as I like to say, I was face down sucking mud to living with my heart wide open and looking up at the beautiful sky and seeing the gorgeous colors. So it's been such a joyous ride, but as you know, it's a journey, right? Not a destination. So every day is a new learning, every day is a new awareness. And, and um, I look forward to doing that now with She Recovers Foundation, because yeah. there's so much possibility. Yeah. You know, at She Recovers, we talk a lot about being in recovery from that we're all in recovery from something and that for most of us, we are in recovery from more than one thing. Right. Do you have like other than alcohol use disorder? Are there other things that you would identify as being in recovery from? I'll let you go first and I'll let you know if you missed any. <laughs> OK, thank you. I might need you to remind me. Well, for sure, codependency, for sure, uh, disordered eating and, and eating disorders. Um I've had, I'm a, I'm an adult child. I'm an alcoholic as well. And, um, 
uh, really pretty much suffer from just <laughs> every kind of addiction there is because I'm wired that way. If one is good, 10 are better. So workaholism, uh, I suffered for quite a long time about, um, you know, with shopping and spending. And um, I've, I'm just incredibly grateful that I can apply the tools that I've learned throughout, you know, to, to address all my issues, not just one. Where it might have started out is just one. And I think, you know, Dawn, it's kind of like we always say, it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. When you beat that one down, the other one raises its ugly head. And, yeah. you know, I still continue to beat. <laughs> I find it so, it's such an interesting, I observe this all the time with women who come into our community and they're new to recovery. And then many of them arrive trying to give up a substance. A lot right. are alcohol, others are drugs. And, you know, as they stick around, it doesn't take them very long to hang out in one of our daily meetings with all the amazing women in our community. And they, they start hearing about these other things that we're identifying trauma yeah. is underlying so much, you know, adult child of alcoholics or adult or adult ch um, children of dysfunctional families, right. just childhood issues. Right. And I know that in, in some cases I, I, I observe women are like overcome with oh, damn, like, I really just wanted it to be about this one substance, <laughs> right. like, because, you know, I, right, it, because I remember in my early recovery, I thought, like, if I could just stop doing the cocaine, I would be fine. And I don't know, I just assumed your Texas accent there, but whatever. <laughs> and of course, it, you know, it really, it, at, in the end of the day, what I learned was the cocaine really was just my coping mechanism for all the things that were really underlying the issues that Absolutely. drove me into self-destruction and that cocaine was just one way of getting me there a little quicker as well as the alcohol and the pills and the pot and everything else and That's the very, um, very unhealthy relationships and I I think you know what I when when we talk about all the things we're in recovery from I like to remind women who may be like oh that's a little intimidating um it's just we're human like the are we're all recovering from something thing is not to identify us as, as being broken and having all these shattered pieces of ourselves. We're just all human and just, we all have stuff and being in recovery and being present, being sober, you know, whatever um, substance free opens you up to the opportunity to identify, address and heal these things and then celebrate, you know, they don't all go away. Right. You and I both know like codependency right. in particular is something I would say I've really done an amazing job with my codependency over the last 30 years, but it's still there. It still raises its head, you know, every once sure. in a while. Workaholism is still something that I know you and I both struggle with. Uh, actually, probably most people on our team do, which is why we get so much done. Right. It's we're overachievers and overworkers. But yeah. What are some of the tools and pathways? You know, we talk again, one of our other intentions and guiding principles are we must be supported to find and follow individualized pathways and patchworks of recovery. I know for me, the beginning yeah, of my recovery definitely. was treatment and post-treatment was 12-step um, recovery. And today I no longer need treatment and I still consider myself a member of a 12-step program, but I'm not particularly active in that program. Right. Um, what That's about right. you? So. Um, Don, I just want to step back a sec and talk about what you just mentioned about trauma. And I remember when um, many years after I had been in recovery, um, I had an experience where I accompanied somebody to recovery, somebody in my family. 
And they were asking me if I had any childhood trauma or anything like that. And I was like, no, I've, no, I'd led a great life. I've had great parents. They were alcoholics, but they got sober. You know, no, I haven't had any trauma. And then all of a sudden the therapist looked at me and said, but I have a quick question. If the definition of trauma is anything less than nurturing, have you experienced trauma? And I was like, oh my gosh. I was bullied all the way through school because of my weight. I was, you know, I mean, when you start thinking about all the things that were anything less than nurturing that made us feel less than and or shamed, um, that's trauma. Mm -hmm. And as a young, in those formidable years, and oftentimes we don't think about that. We think of trauma as being really something significantly tragic or but it's really it can be so much right in the in yeah. the formation of a of a person so yeah i appreciate I, the opportunity to actually touch back on that before we go yeah. forward because as uh, on several of our mental health days recently we've had mm-hmm. um clinicians and experts coming to talk to us about trauma and reminding us about what trauma is and it's so much more than what one would think and that's another area where women in recovery and in our group in particular, when they start hearing people talk about being in recovery from trauma and they're able to identify things like just neg- child emotional neglect, neglect. Um, a, a, somebody, one of their parents being ill, not necessarily an alcoholic, but just exactly. somebody that might've had cancer, a divorce. These are adverse childhood experiences that count right. as traumas. And what I loved to see, I mean, I don't love that women are identifying that they had trauma in their childhood. But what I love is when the light goes on in their head and they go to that place of something happened to me. Yes. And this is part of an explanation for how I, how I have struggled in some areas of my life. It's like, right. I see women give them permission to say, this is not all my fault. This is not, you know, this is not something that I'm choosing. I'm kind of cellularly, genetically through what happened to me, set up to, to have moved in this direction. So thanks for having sure. given us the opportunity to bring that up. I think it's just sure. such an important, and especially in She Recovers, where we right. try so hard, primarily through Taryn's work, Taryn, it, right. my daughter, and with all the work that she's done and all the studying and training she's done, and, and then bringing that back to us as an organization so that we can hold trauma-informed space. Um, something that's Absolutely. been very difficult this week, right? I mean, just yes. let's say that this week, it's been very important for us that we be able to hold space for women who are being traumatized and re-traumatized by um, events that are going on in the United States right now. So we get to use all these skills and, and, and um, learnings every day and she recovers. That's right. And, um, and I think, you know, it goes back to that whole being able to trace the source of what is causing the unhealthy coping skill, whether it's alcohol or drugs or eating or whatever it is, how do we get to the root of that issue and really heal that? Because that is what's going to bring, I think, the true light to our being, you know, and allow us to live life in its fullest. As far as my path, mine's very similar to yours. I mean, I started out, uh, I literally asked uh, a person that I worked with who's much younger than me. She wasn't even old enough to take a legal drink, but she would leave every day at noon and she would come back in such a good 
frame of mind. And I never knew what she was doing other than I was thinking maybe she was doing drugs on lunch hour. But, <laughs> but anyway, I finally asked her and she said, well, I'm an alcoholic and I go to this thing called Alcoholics Anonymous. So I asked her to bring me a book. And I just remember when I read the book that night, I was like, this was written by men this many years ago who had tried every single thing I had done to do controlled drinking. So that was my gateway into exploration, into the 12 steps. I went in and, um, and Dawn, I had a really difficult time connecting for several years because I suffered from some, um, not religious abuse, but, you know, where you literally come up with uh, God is a very punishing and judgmental God. Therefore, I had fallen so far from grace. There was no ability for me to create any kind of relationship with the God that I understood when I walked in. But through um, a 12-step program, I was able to define that God of my understanding, whom today I choose to call the divine which I also believe works in, as, and through each one of us. And, um, and uh, when I was able to form that connection, I have to tell you the spiritual pathways then for me is what led me to such a deeper um, understanding of, of my being and who I was and that I was not the drug, the, the alcoholic, I was a perfect human being and I didn't need to define myself as such as, as an alcoholic. And so that led me on a whole different pathway. And uh, I will tell you my spiritual tools, you know, I've had, I've just formed them over years that I use all the time. And a lot of it includes, um, you know, journaling. A lot of it includes setting an environment where I can get centered and grounded, whether it be through meditation. I've learned so much through Taryn about using aromatherapy and about just the whole practice of mindfulness and sitting still and quiet and, you know, just all of those, um, you know, pathways I find are so beneficial for me personally. Being in nature is another one that I definitely try to do. So I love seeing some of these women who are connecting in She Recovers that circle up, especially now given the restrictions of COVID, to be able to go out and do hikes and do things outdoors so that they still feel that connection. But that leads me to what I believe is the most important pathway to my recovery. And that has been that I have been able to build an incredibly strong support network. In my recovery capital, that is my greatest asset. Our, and I didn't trust women when I first got sober. I didn't trust them at all. But now, if I did not have the support of other women who were like-minded like me, who will who I can be open and honest with and they can provide me feedback and whether it be affirmations or you might want to think about it this way, it has been the most valuable asset that I have to my recovery and one that I will, I just, I, that is, um, if that ever started to go away, I don't know what I'd do that I would really be at a loss. So that's why I love She Recovers so much because that's what we do. I believe 
you know, connection is everything. And, you know, yeah. connection with other like-hearted and like-minded women is definitely what paved the way for me in my own recovery. I mean, I, I used self-step recovery. I used therapy. I used a lot of different things in the beginning, but the only reason that I even explored any of the, those things was because I learned about how beneficial those things were to other women who I looked up to and admired early in my recovery. You know, we talk in recovery, in 12-step recovery about, you said, identifying people who like have what you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just remember, I just wanted, I I switched from in my addiction where I, the only thing I could handle was other people who were in chaos to really wanting that serenity and peace and not perfection in other women. I mean, again, we could, even in recovery, we present ourselves as like, Zen and we can come across in certain moments as being the most Zen, yeah. spiritual, even um, serene women, but we're all human. And so I love that the women that I most admire in recovery have got that. They have that ability. They have that ability to be peaceful, to be serene, to be calm. Yeah. Um, but they're also human. And I get to see them flip right out too, you know, because if they don't, if I don't see some humanness to the women in my circle, then I don't connect with them as much because I need, you know, I need to see that, that they're not perfect. And I have, I'm just really fortunate. I have so many perfectly imperfect spiritual serene sisters in my life. That's right. And that's, that brings up a really good point because I wouldn't feel like I could be open and honest if they hadn't shown me that by doing that and how they got to the other side of whatever it was that they were dealing with, if they yeah. were just frazzled or stirred up or whatever, that served as such a good example for me and gave me another tool to put in my toolbox, you know? Yeah. You know, this morning I had an odd situation. Just, it's been a busy week supporting women. You know, women have needed extra support this week. And mm-hmm. I had I had apparently agreed to host the morning meeting this morning. And at nine o'clock, the co-host said, like, are you coming? And I completely zoned out. I had to actually go back and part of it's workaholism too. I had to go back in my phone and see where I had agreed to host today. Right. So I immediately went to that place of, oh my God, got on the call. One of our amazing other coaches, Lori Winfeld, who's steps has stepped up so much this week in particular was already hosting um, Bailey. I feel badly for Bailey because I left her hanging and I'm sure she was freaking out. Um, everything was going well. And I had about a three, maybe 30 second impulse to beat myself up. And it was actually one of our co-hosts and one of our volunteers who was texting. When I said something, I called myself a putz, which isn't really too terrible bad, but I was like, I felt I was feeling like really worse than a putz. And she said, and what do you teach us about admitting that we're human and that we make mistakes and you were not a bad. So I was just, it just felt like people are listening. We're learning from one another and we all need reminders, right? So that's exactly um, that was, right. That was really cool. That's right. And it's that spirituality of imperfection, you yeah. know, the chink in the armor that lets the light in, right? Yeah. I think that because one of our, you know, another kind of a, one of our principles is that we believe in early intervention. We don't yes. have to hit rock bottom to suffer in any area of our lives. I think women who are early earlier stage, perhaps um, not necessarily dependent on a substance or on a behavior, but they're experiencing problems with it, will come into our community. And they fit because, you know, in some 
cases, if you go to a 12 step recovery meeting, you may feel like I'm not as bad as other people are talking about. And I, I don't think that 12 step recovery means for you to have to be a, a bottom. It's just some the language is a little confusing, right. right? That's right. If you go somewhere where they say, you know, jails, institutions and death. Right. And you know, the That's worst right. that you've done is blacked out once or twice, That's you know, right. you like, you may feel like, Oh, I'm not that then. But one of the other things that happens with women who are very new and just really curious about recovery, regardless of what they're recovering from is they may not be at a place yet where they're ready to change the behavior to stop using the substances. And so they're the being introduced to the concept that that's possible is great for them, but it might also mean that they, if you look at stages of change, which is a whole other kind of topic, but they yeah. may not be ready to give up the behavior or the substance. That's right. Right. And so what I love in our community too, is this whole idea of imperfection. Like we're not an organization or, or a community where we expect um, complete abstinence from all drugs. If that's not what you've identified as your goal. Right. So um, what do you think and, about? And Dawn, I so agree with that because, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, you might not, there is no place for you to go to have the, or at least there weren't, there was not when I was just curious of what, what is wrong? What am I struggling with really? Because I was, I had a PR firm. I was a successful business person in Dallas, Texas. I had an entire family. I mean, if you looked at me, the picture was perfect, right? But the the internal turmoil and just that that whole thing of if if I took one drink, it led to many, many more. It was the phenomenon of craving that would take over me. And I, but there was no place for me to go just explore or meet other women or, and I love that about She Recovers because we hold the space for people to just come if they're curious. We hold the space for somebody who might be grieving. You know, they're not, they're, they don't suffer from substance use disorder, but they suffer from severe grief and loss. And there are other women that have shared experience, life experiences, yeah. just like them. Or for my friends who, who suffer from mental health disorders, severe anxiety and depression, that can be debilitating. Where do those, where do they go? You know, yeah. especially when they're trying to heal to be able to live life to its fullest. And I think yeah. that's what really attracted me to this platform is that it's so much bigger than just one, one finger of everything that might be going on, you know, with you. I mean, I grieve that I never had children, you know, I grieve that. I mean, there's several things that this platform has given me a, a space that I didn't know existed. Yeah, we love that too. I mean, there are women who may, who may be, you know, they're using various different methods to cope and they're not ready to stop smoking pot, for instance, because that's right. a coping mechanism. We don't lay any judgment on them around that. Mm -hmm. um, or if they're, even if they're still drinking, we do ask that people right. don't care if they're drinking or using drugs on our meetings, but we don't place any judgment on people for where they're at in their journey. They and may be shame there. them. I mean, that's Why would we do that? It just, right? it doesn't work. You know, we know the one thing that definitely doesn't work in recovery is feeling shame about not getting it perfect. So I love the hearing the story, I, like a little kid at the fire, Auntie Susan. 
Um, but I love to hear the story about how you found us. And I know for those of you who want, Susan wrote a, a beautiful, beautiful blog that's on our website, www.recovers.org under resources is the blog. And the name of that blog, I just want to hear you say the title of the blog. It's called Our Movement, Our Cause. Our Cause. This is our movement. This is our cause. Yeah, this is our movement. This is our cause. And it's so powerful. Please read it if you haven't. But Susan, tell us about when you found Our Movement, Our Cause. Sure, I love this story. So um, I had moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico with my very best friend who happens to be a clinician. My entire uh, career experience has really been built around nonprofit organizations. And uh, we moved here, bought a uh, 40 acre piece of property with five dwellings to open um, sober living for women, basically a a retreat uh, for once they were making the transition out of treatment to get their sea legs under them before they went back to their playgrounds and playmates, so to speak. So, um, so we moved here and we came here and I was meeting with a magazine editor um, downtown who also happens to be in recovery. And he mentioned to me that he wanted to know if I knew of this organization called She Recovers. And I was like, no. And he goes, well, this high profile person here in the community um, was could not cobble together, not, or she had just cobbled together nine months after years of trying to get sober. And he said, she's been going on these retreats with these women with She Recovers. And now she has a coach that she like checks in with. And she's been able to cobble together, like I said, nine months of sobriety. And I was like, I don't know anything about them, but I'll look them up when I get home. So immediately when I went home, because I thought, you know, this would be a great organization for me to network with to, um, you know, make sure that they were aware of the resources we were building in Santa Fe. And so I got home and I saw that you all had a conference coming up the following weekend in New York City. And I went online and it was had been sold out for like three months. And then I looked at all the speakers and I was like, oh, my gosh, these are people I love and so admire And um, I was like, I've got to go to this. And so I booked a flight to New York City from Albuquerque and left that. I didn't have, you know, I had not been granted permission to go to the conference yet. I was on some wait list, but I was like, I don't even care. I'm just going because I want to learn more about it. And when I got there, um, I just remember so vividly walking into a standing room only ballroom packed with these women who were listening to Gabby Bernstein. It was right at the end of her remarks. And when she ended, the fervor in that room was crazy. It just exploded. And it was like, was that the first day, Dawn? It was the second. Yeah. You you got there late on the Friday. So you you missed Glenn and Doyle. That's right. That's right. And so, um, which I'm sick about, by the way, but, um, but it took me back in time. And it's part of my story and part of my journey of being a founding employee of Susan G. Komen, when, and many young women don't even know that women hid in shame and silence when they were diagnosed with breast cancer. And we, uh, 
I was one of the founding employees that literally got to bring that issue out of the closet and bring women together to um, connect, support, and empower one another. I mean, no, no pun intended, but that's what happened. And, um, and I think, you know, the, the thing for me was it immediately took me back when we got those breast cancer survivors together in a ballroom in Dallas not that, not as many women as you had in yours. And they felt that same sense of I'm home and I can celebrate that I'm alive and living. And I've got sisters that are going to help me move right on through. And to this day, there's still powerful connections between those the breast cancer survivors that all came together and the people who loved them. So their families. And it just immediately took me to that place of this is the beginning of a grassroots movement in a passion. I, I was not affected by breast cancer, nor did I have anybody close in my family. But this was a grassroots movement that I saw the beginning of when I stepped into your ballroom. And I knew this organization is primed to just literally wipe out the stigma and shame of being in recovery from all of life's challenges. And yeah. that's when I knew I had to talk to you. You did. And I know I, I do remember briefly meeting you in the Conrad that weekend because of your accent is just why I would remember. And then you, we got on the phone a few weeks later and we did and just, you know, and you were just so generous and just like, I just want to be a part of this somehow. Tell me what I can do. And we didn't even know yet what we were doing as it turned out um, after New York, we kind of our very small team basically said, Oh my God, that was amazing. And a, that was amazing. And B we are never doing that again. Yeah, it was so hard. It was right. It was so great. And it was so hard. And Absolutely. then within, you know, six months later, we're like, yeah, we're doing it again. We're going to do it in Los Angeles. And so you joined us uh, and you, you were so instrumental working with us and developing some partnerships and sponsorships that we needed in order to make She Recovers in LA a reality in September of 2018. And we're so grateful to you for that. And then, you know, it was kind of after that, you, you, first of all, the, the, um, sober living project fell through right and so neighbor opposition neighbor opposition they didn't want druggies and alcoholics running around the mountain lighting fires and traumatizing the wildlife so after two years of legal battles we let go of that dream yeah and you went to work in the treatment industry for several years i did and as it turned out now we we kind of get to this place in you were very very kind and generous with your time. You helped me uh, along with a, a wonderful lawyer, Andy. He's watching. We love Andy Helper. So great. And we spent, and Andy and I spent like 18 months working on the application for our, uh, along right. with some help from Regina Prince, who now helps us, is our CPA. And so between Andy, you, and I, and Regina, we submitted the application November 2019. Still not knowing what we were go- like that we if we were going to have the capacity. Twenty eight. Yeah. Twenty eight. No, night. When we submitted it, because we oh, it was nineteen. Okay. It was six months. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. 
It's okay. Um, my timeline. And so we still had this other, like we had an LLC that was, she recovers yeah. and it was like, what are we doing with? And, and as it turned out, COVID happened in March and April 6th. It, and, and so that meant we're like, okay, how the LLC operated was we had in-person events. We were doing right. She Recovers in Miami in May, postponed till next year. 10 retreats postponed till next year. And it was almost like just one of those amazing things. April 6th, we actually, oh, we have actually formed a nonprofit. So what are we going to do? Susan, what do we do next? And, you know, we just, we made the decision that we were going to just throw everything into this foundation and get it started and start raising money and doing the things we needed at the same time that we moved online. So whereas previously, although we had sharing circles that were hosted by She Recovers Coaches, we have over hundred She Recovers Coaches and they would hope 40 of them were hosting in-person sharing circles. With COVID, we had to put that on ice. We flipped over to get on, online, started our She Recovers um, gatherings, which we host twice a day. Or twice a, twice a day on Mondays, we do mental health Mondays in the morning on Wednesdays, Taryn does, um, she recovers trauma-informed yoga. And now on Sundays, um, Peyton leads a, she recovers dance experience. All the other meetings are sharing circle type meetings. Um, we have separate groups now for healthcare professionals, for legal professionals, for mothers with high needs, children, mm -hmm. for black indigenous and women of color, um, I'm forgetting some veterans and first responders and they've got Facebook groups. Some of them now have the capacity to host um, zoom meetings in particular, the healthcare professionals and the black indigenous and women of color groups. And there's so much more we want to do. Like we, we, we realize we really need a group specifically for eating recovery disorders. I think we need a group specifically for women Me who too. have experienced pregnancy and infant loss. Mm -hmm. You know, we need something specifically for older women. We need something specifically for younger women. Like there's just, there's no, and, and for women just who are grieving. And I think we have this really wonderful foundation of how this can all work. And as we grow our volunteer network, I think we have the capacity in some sense to do some of this work. But my vision for the next three to five years is that we don't just have what we have online, but the online we've got groups so that you go to our website and there's a calendar of meetings right. that you can go to. Right. And there's every type of meeting, you know, more than more than just one a week and um, for each type. And then moving into um, our chapters, like we, we plan on, we have these 40 sharing circle type communities, which we'd love to turn into chapters where our coaches can be part of it. We can have other volunteers part of it um you, you know chapters can have events you know eventually we can do retreats all over we have such a beautiful big vision that's right and and we want to get there and and part of how we get there of course is to develop what you always say our greatest resources are our volunteers and so we are working very hard behind the scenes on that volunteer network strategy and also our fundraising strategy, because it's, right. it's imperative that we raise the funds that we need in order to grow this organization. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that looks like, just in terms of sure, um, like, like the importance of developing both the volunteer network and raising money and, sure. and how we're not, we're not dependent on individuals alone to raise money. And there are so many women out here in our community, they don't have an extra $5 right now. That's right. 
And and we understand that and they can participate in other ways. There's other ways of us raising money. And then, you know, we do have a surprise at the end of this call where we're going to tell you about a a special fundraising project that we're launching today. So um, a couple of things I want to touch on going back again, what you were saying. I think once I walked into that ballroom and I saw what I saw uh, and it took me back to that, that those very first days at Susan G. Komen for the Cure when there were only 12 employees. And today, you know, it's an international or we pre-COVID, I think probably when I left there, there, there were four, four full floors in a huge high rise in downtown Dallas as the international headquarters. And I think what, what happened to me is I knew that I had some firsthand experience that I needed to share with this organization because I wanted it to be used by, by, for, by and for a cause I cared about personally, which was recovery. So I just, that's why I was so desperate to get in touch with you. For all I knew, it was just going to be a data dump, you know, and don't do this and do do this. And, and then the other thing is I knew I had former colleagues like Andy who helped us do all the legal work we needed to do to get this 501c3 in place. These are brilliant, brilliant former colleagues of mine that have this incredible servant heart. And I knew would just totally take to this cause. And um, of course, the minute they heard, they've all just jumped in and they, they provide me still just this morning, great information that I'm continue to look for in our nonprofit space, right? Mm-hmm. So deep valve gratitude to all of them. But I think, you know, the other thing, Dawn, is when I saw what was what happened in that ballroom, I knew that you and the other women that were affiliated with She Recovers and the passion and the commitment of all the women in that room, this got us a seat at some powerful, influential tables because all I could see was how big this grassroots network could be. If you figure that there are 2 million, is it 2 million people are in recovery from substance use disorder right now? Is that no, the current? 23 million in recovery and as many or more needing recovery. So yes. in addiction. And that does not even count. That's just in the States, 6 that, million and, more in Canada. Right. And, but that doesn't even count all the other forms of what people are recovering. That's substance use recovery. That's just substance use. That doesn't have anything to do with mental health issues of severe depression, anxiety, bipolar, eating whatever disorders. it is, all eating disorders. It doesn't have anything to do with grief and loss and, and divorce and losing your job and having your world collapse around. It, doesn't, it didn't have anything. And all I can see is we have such a loud, strong voice, not only because of the volunteer, volunteer advocates that we have out in communities all around the world, right? But we also have this amazing ability to have a seat at the table because we are a key influencer because of those people. So that's why I continue to go back and say our volunteers and our advocates are the most important asset we have outside of our brand. We need to be, but having been and and had a front row seat and howing that grassroots grew for us at Susan G. Komen into chapters domestically, 
international chapters going from being a small 800 woman race for the cure in Dallas to being the largest organized sporting event in the country. Um, it, those kinds of things, watching that momentum and how that grew, that's what I see with She Recovers, that uh, She Recovers will be a very well-respected thought leader in the recovery space and in the mental health space. And to your point, not only will we be looking at forming collaborations with individual donors, but I choose to call them partners. And those partners are corporations and organizations that have a vested interest in our mission. And they do that through forming relationships with us. I don't like to use the word sponsor because that just to me means that they're giving us money. Right. And yeah, that I was love, for, that was for our, our past events before we were a nonprofit. But what I'm saying is these are tight partnerships that are in it with you for the long haul. And that's what I really bring to the table because I helped create cause-related marketing with Nancy Brinker because at the time there was a, there had only been one and that was to refurbish the Statue of Liberty by American Express. And it was like so many cents per transaction on your card. But it wasn't until we started doing things like, um, you know, having... Uh, Yo Play Yogurt, Save Lids to Save Lives, Lid Redemption Program that gave women an automatic breast health message on the top of a, a, a yogurt. And then, you know, literally that partner over a long period of time gave us millions of dollars, which now leads to the ability to say that Komen has now funded three billion dollars worth of research dedicated solely to breast cancer and that's a big number yeah and so that's exciting we can for, be there yeah and that's exciting for me because research is one of the cornerstones of our foundation as well right as a researcher right. as a woman with a phd in healthcare policy specifically interested in um, substance use disorders mental health and intimate partner violence the three things that brought me into this journey of recovery Right. Um, we've got some great partnerships already to do research, right? So I just, mm -hmm. <coughs> pardon me, your experience and your passion. I just don't know how, how, uh, for whatever reason, that dude in Santa Fe, I'd love to meet him next time I'm in Santa Fe. I love Santa Fe. I visited Susan in Santa Fe last year and I want to go back so badly when this border opens. But I would love to meet him and buy him a cup of coffee and thank him for telling you oh. about us um, because none of us on our team can even begin to thank you for, for your role and, you know, for, for volunteering still to this moment, so much time. And, um, you know, we're going to be a very successful organization because our world. We needs, are. That's right. You know, at the bottom, you know, underneath all of our grand plans for world domination in the female recovery sphere, is really just, I want to be able to sit on a Zoom call and listen to somebody say, I had nowhere else to go tonight but here to tell yeah. you what I need, what I, what I'm feeling. You know, I need to be on a, on a retreat where somebody says, this is the first time I've ever said this out loud and I'm scared. I'm going to say it anyway. That's right. So I don't know. I'm just, I think we should probably start drawing to a close here. Is there anything else that you want to 
cover before I tell everybody what the big surprise that we were keeping them with? Yeah, I think I would just say it's kind of what you were talking about, Dawn, about the importance of your mission programs as a nonprofit organization. You know, as you're held to a totally different standard as a nonprofit. And we have met those standards. We got approved. We're now at the gold level, you know, um, being um, by the charity watchdog organizations. They've looked at us. They feel we're strong. They feel we're there, but we haven't even started. I mean, basically, we're 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 starting with a blank slate. But the one thing nobody can discount is the agility of the organization. What they saw you all do when COVID hit the ability to just be nimble and flexible and steer another way. And God bless those designated coaches that have helped us be able to do those online gatherings and, and everything that you've done. But, but it is the mission programs that lead to the ability to get funds. So as strong as the mission, you have to have strong mission programs to go out to be able to secure high dollar funding and partnerships. And I'm working with an amazing former colleague, I think you know, Carrie Thomas. And she just, I mean, we both agree that we've got the meat. Now we have to go after the funders because without funding, we can't continue to support more women and provide access to all women who need the care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they they go hand in hand. And yeah. as I was explaining, I think even just this morning, Don, we, if we don't raise the funds, we can't do the mission. And if we don't have the strong mission programs, we can't raise the funds. Yeah. So right now, just to get the foundation off the ground, we've got to raise some money to be able mm -hmm. to do the things that we know we need to have in place to get those those big corporate partners that we would like to engage. Yeah. And I, I mean, some just some of the things that I want to remind people of with regard to mission programs, if you're interested in learning more about becoming a She Recovers coach, visit the Become a Coach tab on our website. Um, my daughter, Taryn, is launching her second training. Um, if, you are a, if you are a yoga teacher with a minimum of a 200-hour YTT training already, you may be eligible to take her She Recovers Trauma-Informed Yoga program, which is going to be online at the end of January. That's um, online as well under yoga. Um, if you haven't already joined us on one of our amazing She Recovers gatherings, the next one is at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you'll find information about joining us there under the She Recovers Online Programs tab under Together Online. We have a Facebook group called She Recovers Together, um, and you can also connect there. There's other ways of getting involved. And so under the Get Involved tab on our, on our um, website, you'll see, you know, we do invite people to participate in helping us fundraise. There's a lot of simple ways you can make a straight donation. It's very simple. You know, a $5 donation is welcome if that's all somebody can afford. Um, you can have your own Facebook fundraiser as Susan is doing now. And she's raising like thousands of dollars by doing that. And we've had other women raise hundreds, you know, from hundreds to thousands of dollars. And we're so grateful for that. Um, and today, the- Oh, wait, can I say one more? Can I add one more thing in there? Yes. Yep. And I would strongly encourage everyone to pay it forward by just sharing this resource with others. 
however it's comfortable for you to do sharing she recovers with others because as Dawn has it talks over and over again a lot of it's organic growth because yeah. women come to us or they 41% of women find us by doing a search we need to let women know we're here yeah yeah so, that's a sorry. great segue great segue into a new button that we just put on the website and is accessible now and is our yeah yeah announcement surprise is there's now a shop button on there and we're just launching a print on demand um, shop and so you can purchase a mug you can purchase um tees t-shirts tanks i think there's some caps bought baseball caps there's um a, a cool mason jar there's all sorts of neat things so if you go if you hit the shop button on the website this is the first you know we we also we have a pile of merch that's just sitting waiting for us in miami so we'll have different merch available for miami but we needed to raise some money and we've been just women have been begging us to get some merch out so this is a way if you purchase something and you wear it then you're helping us get the word out that's right um and you know it's it's she recovers is you don't have to say if somebody says what she recovers you don't have to say what you're recovering from mm -hmm. um recovering from the world right now that's right so um we just we just ask if those of you who are interested in helping us get the word out that's one way of doing it it's also a really great um holiday shopping kind of experience we think um and i just want to say that what we know about she recovers since since this idea first i mean this idea that we were in the midst of now is it was never what we planned in the beginning taryn and i just wanted to go on retreats um so we've organized them but everything that we have become has been a direct response to what women in recovery tell us they need it's been very organic the development of all of our offerings have been because you know a group or a handful or more of women said well what about a conference or like, what about yeah. a Facebook group? You know, Kelly Beck, a dear, dear, dear member, she was begging us to do a Facebook group for years. And I kept saying, mm -hmm. Taryn and I kept saying, no, we've got, there's enough women's recovery groups out there. We don't need one. And then, you know, January, 2018, we started it. And now we have over 6,000 members in that group. And it's the nucleus of our community. Um, so I'm just really grateful to all the women who are, who are with us and who have just kind of happened upon us because they had something they needed or like Susan found something they needed and found a place where they could give back to. And that's the story for so many of the women in our community. They, like they come here because they want support, but they also want to be a support for somebody else. And right. the whole idea of paying it forward mm -hmm. is extremely um, apparent and a power and very powerful in our community. So Susan, I hope you um, take the rest of this day and weekend off to celebrate your 27 years uh, in Aspen, you. Colorado. We have a lot of women <laughs> in Colorado and uh, you'll be home in Santa Fe soon. I'm going to have um, a beautiful week. It's just gorgeous out right now. Actually, I wouldn't normally have a fire on in a beautiful warm afternoon like this, but it's been my great pleasure to have, um, to be able to introduce you in this way to our community so that uh, women know when we're talking about Susan, who we're talking about and I know they'll get to see lots more of you in the coming days when I don't right now we've got her hold up working on spreadsheets. I know <laughs> and and other things. and she's been working so very hard and, and I appreciate it I mean right now she's actually on a, this is a vacation she's on and she's been on meetings every day this week while she's on holiday so 
Um, so thank you for everything that you're doing for, for our foundation. We love you. I love you. I love the amazing women I get to work with as she recovers, bright, smart, intelligent, loving women. And I love everybody in this community because I see them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So visit our website, have a look at our swag. And uh, I look forward to hearing from all of you on whether you, uh, what you might want in the next merch line. We've just started in this way. You know, we have to, it just says everything is organic. We're, we have to stay within our means and our capacity as we move forward. So this feels like a fun first start. Um, and we look forward to uh, seeing everybody running around and she recovers sweatshirts, tank That's tops, right. baseball gaps. So thanks, Susan. We'll awesome. talk soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to the She Recovers podcast. Our mission is to inspire hope, reduce stigma, and empower women to increase their recovery capital, heal themselves, and help other women to do the same. We are a grassroots movement and a nonprofit public charity, and we can always use your support. If you enjoyed this content, please share it, leave us a five-star review, visit our social channels, look at volunteering within our community, and donating to our cause. Every dollar helps. Visit SheRecovers.org to find out more information about that and to also find out information about our free daily gatherings and other really exciting initiatives and projects that we're currently working on. 